Hi, guys. <laughs> hey, how's it going? We were just talking about it. This Bengals game is really important. I'm going to watch it instead. Uh, yeah, that's fine with me. <laughs> I, if you if you really want to watch what's happening, let's watch the Jets versus, say, Cleveland. Yeah, of course, of course, if it's exciting. So that's really well, the way I feel right now. A wise and respected old football coach once said, I really believe God called me to coach, and that is the reason I stayed in it for so long. More on who that quote is attributed to in a few moments. 9-3, and three, a respectable year for many college football coaches was not enough for Coach Mark Rick to keep his job at Georgia. As noted by many pundits, a win in this year's bowl game would make it the 10th time in 15 seasons at UGA that Coach Rick would have posted double-digit victories, which is an amazing statistic that could only be duplicated by maybe one current college football coach, and he resides in Tuscaloosa. And so it goes in this what-have-you-done-for-me-lately world of college football, where a coach who is beloved by his players past and present, admired by fans of all ages, and revered as one of the winningest coaches of this century is let go by the university he has given so much to because even though he has won at an astounding clip, the trophy cases of conference championships have been bare for 10 years now, and that coveted national championship has never materialized. Hi there, you are listening to episode 31 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. My name is Scott Duvall. My co-hosts are Tony Waller and Will Leach. As Tony mentions later in this episode, we as Georgia fans have to be okay with the fact that our administration just fired a coach that won 74% of his games. And it's been written that Mark Rick will coach the team in the bowl game to finish out the final game of his 15th season here at Georgia. So good luck, Coach Rick. We wish you nothing but the best in your future endeavors. And thank you for representing the University of Georgia in a manner that all of us fans and podcasters can be proud of. But before we get started, that quote at the beginning of this intro, it was made by Bobby Bowden of Florida State. And for what it's worth, he didn't win a national championship with the Seminoles until his 18th season. Let's just go ahead and get into it. I would like to say uh, it's sad to see, as the official release claims, Mark Richt has decided to resign and has stepped down. Congratulations. If this was the time that he wanted to do it, who are we to stand in his way? I support them and the Georgia program for Mark Richt finally realizing that he doesn't want to do it anymore because that's what they said. They said he resigned. So obviously that's what happened, right? Yeah, except for that's not exactly what happened. <laughs> not even slightly what happens. That is one way of putting it, but <laughs> it sounded like he had already accepted the role of like head coach emeritus, the way that the press release sounded. Well, uh yeah. I think it, I think we're more likely to see him in some some capacity as, you know, life skills, something another or whatever. That's that's his gig and I, I get that, but you know. Now, do you think that would really? I mean, do you think that was just kind of uh, fill-in words there, or do you think he will kind of stay around or maybe pursue another opportunity? Um, you know, I think what we're going to see is him. Uh, I, I think it's an opportunity for him to stay around. My my guess is is that you know he is he's always had a passion for taking care of the players, and I think he could be a tremendous ambassador for the program, but. I, I think any sort of speculation right now, I mean, you know, this is still kind of raw. I mean, it's yeah. 104. The, the news is 34 minutes old. So yeah, it's certainly a shock. Okay. So let's start from the get go on this. One of the things that we have talked about 
on this podcast regularly, specifically involving Richt and the way the program is set up, is the idea, and Tony, I think you explicitly put it this way last week, if this is who you want to be, someone who fires a guy like Mark Richt after what could may very well be a 10-win season, while certainly having its disappointments along the way, no question, you no longer can claim that you are any different or any special. You are just like everybody else. Is this move an admission of that fact? Or is are we already seeing with the Rick is still part of the family? He's going to help us transition players. He resigned, and we mutually agreed. Or is it is is that a fiction they're going to try to keep up? I have to think it's one of those things where we are going to really. I mean, I think it really depends on who we who we hire and how that person approaches it. Although I I can't possibly imagine that there are going to be fans okay with the next person that comes in if they only go nine and three and don't get an SEC championship within the first five years. I mean, but how, how can you, I mean, unless we get Mahatma Gandhi, I mean, I, I don't really don't get it. I, I just, I, I, I think we now have to be prepared that we are, you know, just another program that winning only matters. And if you don't win, you better go get the title soon and after you win that one, you better win us two more, and we better go undefeated. And I just, you know, probably part of that's the raw part of me talking right now uh, that I'm, I'm, I kind of disappointed in that my program is acting this way. And uh, you know, everybody's out there. Why are you okay with mediocrity? And I, I took Scott to task for using that term the other day. I'm sorry, nine and three is not mediocre. And I, you can say the eyeball test or whatever. And I realize part of what happened with our offense this year is on the coaches, but I think they did an okay job coaching the last four games to be nine and three. Because I think after Florida, a lot of us thought seven and five was a stretch. You know, it's it's just hard to get my head around. But you know, I I also hope that we have a plan in place and we execute that plan flawlessly, uh, and that plan does not involve Dan Mullen. <laughs> Let's not talk about new names yet, Scott. Let's let's do. Yeah, well, yeah, let's, right. I, I I might want to talk about the end of this podcast, but I think we're. I think it's still maybe we should keep talking about the Rick situation and the and the and the mammoth nature of this move and really what it says about the program, Scott. You and I, uh, you have been. Uh, I came all ramped amped up on this podcast before uh, half an hour ago because of a, a poll that uh, Seth Emerson put up on Twitter last night. Yeah, was, I honestly thought that's what we're going to talk about today. I, I felt like I was almost arguing a false negative in a lot of ways. And the, I kept telling Scott, Scott, I think most people are with you, and Tony and I are these defenders of Rick, and maybe we're the past, and maybe we're too starry-eyed or whatever. And then I have to say, I was surprised by the results of the poll, which said that like seven, and again, it's a Twitter poll, I get it. But like in the most negative place on the planet that isn't currently controlled by ISIS, which is Twitter, and I guess Twitter's I guess ISIS is making gains there. Uh, but seventy six percent of fans wanted to keep Ricked. Seventy six percent of seven thousand fans. Right, right, exactly, exactly. Not, not, not the four of us and um, whoever the fourth person, my imaginary friend here. So to me, I was surprised by that. That's more than I would have thought. And I think you've seen in some of the initial raw reaction. I'm not seeing a lot of people jumping up and down and cheering at last the Wicked Witch is dead. Do you feel, Scott, I know that I know, and this is, that's not a fair assessment of your viewpoint because I know that you've respect Mark, uh, Coach Rick and you've, you've not always been a fire Rick, kill him, but certainly you were more frustrated. I think spoke for a lot of fans that are more frustrated than we are. How do you feel about this move? Uh, if you may, maybe weren't 100% in support of it, at least we're more in support of it than, than Tony and I were. 
Yeah, and I'll use Tony's word that he's used throughout this podcast. Let me be clear. I have never called for Coach Rick's firing. In fact, I think I said last week that I would not fire Coach Rick. However, I have been extremely disappointed in the play. And even yesterday, I had debated going to the Tech game with my dad and my two boys, and it didn't work out. And then after the game, we're all, my dad and I are both saying, like, wow, glad we didn't try to go to that game. That was brutal to watch. And I think that that 9-3 and three record could easily have been 6-6, six and six, maybe 7-5, and five, just with very small details play here or a play there. But having said all that, after watching the end of the Texas A&M LSU game last night, I was like, there is no way they're going to fire Coach Rick. Not after this, not after Les Miles is singing the alma mater and basically holding court with his press conference. I was, I was waking up this morning thinking like, there's no way it's going to, it's going to go down today. In fact, I was going to say, Hey, McGarity needs to make a statement saying that he's our football coach by Monday at the latest. And, for the record, I voted on Seth Emerson's poll, and I voted to keep him. I have to say, I am surprised by this, and I I'm not shocked in that. Like, I, like I would be shocked if, like, you know, if Nick Saban were fired, I would be shocked. Uh, th- I, I'm not shocked in that way, but certainly it feels like a whole different reality all of a sudden. Like everything that we've been discussing for a long time, it feels like we're talking about something different now. And maybe it's a better thing and maybe it's a worse thing. We'll certainly find out and it's certainly an all-in risk. I'll have you know, by the way, I actually sat next to McGarity at the basketball game uh, against Murray State. He was sitting in the seats next to me because they're always they're pretty good seats and they're always open to some alum people. And he sat there the whole time and... Uh, he actually scooped to me. He was going to fire Rick. I couldn't say anything until now, but uh, now I should probably do it. I think I could tell by saying next to him, he's more of a football fan than a basketball fan. We'll go with that. <laughs> uh, but uh, we'll leave it at that. To me, this is that statement that we're talking about. Scott, now that this move has been made, because you're right, you did not advocate firing Rick, so you're not responsible. We're not no, gonna, I'm not responsible. We're not going to blame you if this all goes to crap. But now that it's happened, are you okay with it? Yeah, I'm going to have to be. I mean, it's it's in the past. I'm not going to sit there. There's going to be a lot of fans on well, Twitter. It's a, ha- it's a half hour in the past, <laughs> so you can right. have you can have a reaction if you want. No, I'm I'm ready to move on. I mean, it's been wow. done. You know, I've seen the tweets from former players on Twitter. They're disappointed. Hey, if I played for them and everything, I probably would have a little bit more skin in the game. But you know, what's done is done, and you know what? It's not going to be a popular move. I think from the masses, you're going to hear a lot of outcrying of supporting of Rick, and I, I would have supported him to stay. But now that it's done, let's make sure that Greg McGarity already has somebody in place that is kind of given a wink-wink, like, okay, I'm going to come, because the last thing we need is a long, drawn-out coaching search where maybe something goes wrong here and there. And if it's not, I guess, I'm not going to say the coach, but I know we're not going to talk about coaches, but everybody knows who's probably the guy that's going to come over here. I do want to talk about coaches, but I, I just want to wrap this up because uh, it really is so new and so shocking. Like even, you know, I mean, this is Mark Rick has been there for 15 years. I mean, it's uh, Tony LaRusso left the Cardinals after 15 years and it was a shock and he just won the World Series. And, he, and apparently everyone had known for six months. And it still felt like the, rea- the world had shifted because he was no longer the coach. Tony, how do you honestly feel right now? Uh, regardless of whether you want Rick, like, listen, you know, the same way that we said, hey, go root for Alabama if you're rooting for, if you're rooting against Georgia the win, because uh, you want Rick to be fired. I'm certainly, I don't think anyone here is advocating or claiming they're not going to root for Georgia. They're still, everyone's going to be on Georgia's side. But how do you feel just emotionally? This is a chance for you to kind of vent a little bit and spew or, or just, just release uh, a little bit. How do you honestly feel right now, Tony? 
Well, you know, I, I actually just texted with Matt, Matthew Leach a few minutes ago this very thing. Uh, I, I mean, I'm honestly sad right now, but the fact of the matter is is that if I'm going to support Mark Rick as a coach, regardless of how this turns out, I mean, I, I, I think there's a place in the world where we could be unhappy with how the team has looked but not think we've got to fire Mark Rick. Now, having said that, I agree wholeheartedly with Scott. I hope we have a plan in place. I'm excited because we do have the opportunity to go out and make another hire that has the potential to, I mean, it's hard to say, do better than Mark Rick, but, you know, has the potential to take us to the next level. Being inveterate UGA homer, it's hard for me to not think that we're in a position to be able to do that. Yeah, right now it's just it's it's I'm just sad. I I, I hate it. I hate that our our program, particularly those in charge of our program, view our program differently maybe than the way I do. And I I get it. But you know, at some point, this is the nature of the business. I think Coach Rick would tell you exactly that. This is the nature of the business. Um, and I I think all you can do is is get behind the administration and get behind the next coach, whoever that is. You know, I may feel differently tomorrow or whatever, but. That you know, that's the way it goes. And I, I, all the thing I want to say is I really appreciate for 15 awesome years of Georgia football because we, I've been through very, some very not awesome years. So, you know, that's kind of the way I feel about it right now. So let's talk about the risk involved in this move. Uh, certainly, those that support the move would say, listen, there was a level Rick was clearly not ever going to get them to. Uh, it was just going to be one more disappointing big game loss after another. Clearly, the Florida game was a breaking point, obviously, for McGarity and also for a lot of people. So, um, you know, you see I, the arguments for firing Rick now that it's done, I think, are are self-evident. The risks involved in the just in the short term. You know, this is a guy that every day after a Georgia win has been hanging out with a five-star recruit that's coming into Georgia next year. And you've had these recruits saying, obviously, Rick is going to be there. They wouldn't fire Mark. Rick, what kind of place is this Uh, in a lot of ways? So there's the immediate risk in just hanging on to the recruits, which means it makes me think they're going to have to move pretty fast on this. But also there is that risk now, too. Of, and this was the same – This my argument for keeping Rick was not because I love Mark Rick and we're best pals or anything. But to me, I – or I just inherently love stability. To me, one of the arguments in favor of Rick was the idea that you didn't have to worry about bottoming out. Like there was not going to be a bottom amount, and which means a year where you catch some breaks, where, where Nick Chubb doesn't get hurt and, he does, and there's not a, a, a dropped ball in the Tennessee game or, or Bryce Ramsey doesn't turn out to be terrible uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, years where you do get breaks – Maybe you're already your floor is already high enough as we've seen George's floor, floor generally at that you're you'll be you're able to take advantage of that. Clearly now the idea is nope, we have to be Alabama or we have to be an Alabama type team. Is the fear next year? I think that people are going to be expecting a Florida year like this, except a better offense, of course. How many games, whoever the next coach is next year, do they have to win 11 games? Do they have to win the – like, how many years do they have? I mean, you look at Texas. Charlie Strong is already in trouble in his second year. You've got guys in trouble in their first year. To me, the fear is – and maybe it's just because he's been here for 15 years. But for me, the fear is how long amount of time does the new coach who has to hang on to the old recruits and then still build this new thing and work in this new place, how long of a time do they have to do anything? And if there's a dip next year or a dip in recruiting, does that send a downward spiral? I think the thing that fans will fear is you look at programs like Nebraska, Miami, Tennessee. You mentioned Texas. 
you know, they've all had the stalwart coaches that were let go or moved on, and they've struggled since then. And I think to answer your question is the, the coach is not going to have that long of a leash because you look at Texas, look at Charlie Strong, like you just mentioned. I think that people are in a win-now mentality, and that's how college football is. It's gotten bigger and bigger. It's only going to get greater. And I'd say that you know a 9-3 and three record, there's going to be a lot of people scratching their heads going like, well, why did we get rid of Coach Rick? Tony, what do you think? Do you think if, if it's a nine-win season next year, people are going to be mad again? <laughs> well, no. I, I, think, I think part of what, what we've seen is there's some residual anger over at Mark Rick for not actually go get, going and getting the national championship. We think we also richly deserve. Uh, and yes, that is sarcasm. But in reality, is that, you know, I think that the next guy has uh, probably three or four years to, to win an SEC title. I don't get how you can say to the new guy, well, he should have some time if you're not willing to give Mark Rick, who we talked about the floor a minute ago, who who's realistically brought the floor up, um, who set the floor, who changed the floor. And let's be clear. We're going to pay the next coaching staff a lot more money than we pay Mark Rick's coaching staff. So the, I think the pressure is going to be on to produce in a way that – maybe hadn't been on uh, on Mark Rick until the past couple of years. And that's going to be from day one. We, whatever name you want to talk about, that whoever it is better come in and be, better be ready to get after it. Because I don't see how anyone with any rational sense can say that we shouldn't expect more if we're willing to make this decision. I thought it was interesting, Burnt Orange Nation, uh, the, the Texas Longhorns, uh, SB Nation sites Twitter. Well, they were the first tweets after the news was announced and said, "Mark, there's a quote. Mark Richt was entering his Mac Brown phase at UGA. They realized it and cut the cord." Which sounds, you know, it sounds, you know, clever. Then you're like, "Okay, yeah, I see it. I see it." Except Texas is already two years later talking about firing their coach. To me, that is the worst case scenario here. Because, A, Georgia, frankly, is not Texas. <laughs> like it, does, it doesn't actually have the resources that Texas has. But, B, I look at Texas, and I'm like, you people are insane. <laughs> you people are lunatics. The fact the guy can't even have a year and a half to figure out what's going on before you're trying to run him out. Is Georgia going to become this if this guy – I know I keep coming back to this question, but, like, are we okay with Georgia being this? I don't know. I mean, I think I, – I think there are a couple things in place for Georgia that that Texas doesn't have. I think we have maybe a little more direction at the top. I think we're lucky we have an AD, and we, we can have a debate about the AD, but I think we have an AD that is in a better place than Patterson was to be smart about the decision. You know, that's just – it's just the way it is. All right, so now I guess I, we can – you know. Yeah, let's let's figure out who, let's, who we're going to well, hire. Well, I mean, frankly, this seems to be – one of the things that I was curious about uh, that I thought was interesting is that, you know, Pete Thamel at, at Sports Illustrated or Campus Talk or whatever they're calling it over there now um, is uh, he did a list of all the jobs and predictions of all the jobs yesterday afternoon or yesterday morning. And he actually predicted that Rick would be fired. He also predicted that South Carolina was going to hire uh, Kirby Smart, of course, former Georgia uh, safety defensive coordinator at Alabama and um, old friend of my wife, actually <laughs> old college friend of my wife who actually refers to him as curbs, which is actually a true story. So, <laughs> so uh, a large part of that notion was about, uh, and he kind of hinted in his piece, Georgia may have to act 
if they want to get Kirby Smart because he's ready to make a move and he's going to take South Carolina if Georgia, the place where I think he clearly wants to go, unless he's going to take over to Alabama for Saban, which doesn't look like it's happening anytime soon, is is going to happen. A, you got, like, I, I only know Kirby Smart as Curbs. As Alabama's defensive coordinator, you guys have, have have seen Kirby Smart involved with this program for a long time. Are you a? Would you guys personally be happy with that pick? B. Do you think that would satisfy the teaming masses? And uh, and C. Do you think it would work? What were your A, B, C, and D? Because I'll answer it in order. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. A was uh, I don't know Kirby Smart other than Curbs as a as the Georgia guy as like where he goes in right. Georgia history does he does he fit into what what, what would you think of him taking the job B what do you think the teeming masses that have been wanting to get rid of Rick for so long would want and C do you think it would work All right I'm writing this down so and I can edit this out <laughs> So you weren't listening, is what? You no, I, w- I was. I just you just you, you talk so fast that it kind of okay. went in one ear and out the other. Okay. Um, to, so to answer your questions, I think a does he fit into what Georgia wants to do? Yes, I do. I think he was uh, not the greatest safety in the world uh, when he played here back in the mid nineties, but he was kind of the quarterback of the defense, and you kind of see that he had coaching uh, written on him from an early age, kind of this, similar to uh, Bobo. And so I definitely think he would fit. I mean, obviously, he's proved it with the ridiculous defense that he's orchestrated over at Alabama. Um, B, I think the masses would want that. In fact, I'm trying to sit here and think, okay, if it's not Kirby Smart, who would it be? And I'm having a hard time coming up with somebody else just this quickly within 40 minutes of Coach Rick's firing to think of who I would say, hey, that's justified then if you have this guy in mind. And then C, will it work? Who knows? I mean, I've seen stranger things happen where you, you think a guy goes into a great situation and it flops. Only time will tell whether it works out. I think he's got a great opportunity to work out because he's known as one of the finest recruiters in all of uh, college football. And, you know, with the whole Jacob Eason thing, I think he might would be one of the only guys to be able to hang on to to him to keep him coming here. But I mean, there's five or six great quarterbacks in the nation that could come here. And I don't think we need to feel like we're being held hostage by a a top five recruit or a five star recruit. Having said all that, I think he'd be the obvious choice and should be their number one choice. And I'd be shocked if he turned it down. Tony? Um, My personal opinion is that if we're the program that we believe we are, that we can fire a coach that's won 74% of his games, we can go get a head coach uh, from another program. Now, having said that, I think the more basic question is, if it's Kirby Smart, can he succeed? Uh, I think it depends on his staff, depends on who he is able to bring in, both as offensive and defensive coordinator, and, he, and what kind of recruiters he brings in. Because whoever is coming in has got their work cut out for him. Because in my opinion, and you, you were getting at this a minute ago, is that if we aren't where we need to be recruiting, or where we need to be talent-wise now, uh, and that's if people want to make the argument that that's the source of part of the problem with Mark Rick, whoever's coming in is going to be behind the eight ball if they don't get on the road and really hump it. Now, we've seen coaches come in and do that, uh, and that's that's possible that it can happen. You know, and I, I think that kind of answered all three of your questions and just trying to answer two of them. But the hard part about it for me is that, okay, if it is Kirby Smart, what is the thought process in bringing in, admittedly, a, a 
a coordinator that has really good experience uh, under a very, very, very good head coach. But there's also, we've seen where his, some of his assistants haven't gone and done so great. So, you know, I think if we're going to do that, what's the plan and how quickly can we execute it? Because the, the quicker we can wrap this up, the better it is for keeping the recruiting class together. And frankly, I think it, the better it makes the program look. Because if we fired Mark Rick without any plan whatsoever and we, you know, we default to, let's, let's say, even if we default to Kirby Smart after Christmas or as Dan Mullen or, I don't know, fill in the blank with Manny Diaz, I don't know, um, you know, Willie Fritz, the, you know, we're going to look, we're going to look really dumb. And I get that part of the problem is that, that people have had is how we've looked, quote unquote, looked nationally. We're going to look way worse than losing a game to Tennessee that if we futz around with this thing and end up hiring some jack leg in December 27th. It is certainly strange. It's funny. Matt Hinton, uh, who worked for Grantland and is from Yahoo and all these other places about college football, he did the job rankings of all the currently open jobs. I'm actually glad Illinois hired his interim coach so I didn't have to see them be below, Louis- below Louisiana <laughs> Monroe or Hawaii on here. Uh, but he put uh, updated things. He had his his five, which I could question some of these, but five is South Carolina, four is Miami, three is Mizzou, and then he has a tie for first between Georgia and USC. Now, I thought his list was interesting. Yeah, I thought it was curious too. Uh, I do think Georgia's, uh, Georgians and USC are clearly the uh, Southern Cal anyway, are at the top of that list. But yeah, there, it's amazing how much you're right, Tony. I, I keep coming back to this idea. If this job is as great as Georgia apparently thinks it is in that it will fire a Mark Richt who clearly wants to stay in risk. And, you know, it's funny, Scott, you, you mentioned about, uh, I don't know if Jacob Eason has made any claims about holding the team hostage for who he wants to be a coach. I think he said he wants Rick to be his coach because he thought Rick was going to be his coach. I, I don't know if it necessarily means he's not going to come now, but certainly it throws it into uncertainty uh, in a way that it wasn't two weeks ago. But for me, if you're going to make that move, you you better know, you better have a pretty good plan in place. And when I look at these other leading candidates, there isn't like an obvious. Oh, okay. Like I remember when I remember when Michigan made its move because they thought they were getting less miles. That was their plan. Like, oh, we're going to get less miles. It didn't work out. It made them look bad. But that actually looks a step above where Georgia is right now, where there's not like an obvious person where you're like like this. I think Kirby Smart could be a good coach too, but he's never been a head coach. He just has not been a head coach. And, you know, I know he has the connections. He's been good in Alabama, but he has not been a head coach before. Who are the other people on this list? Dan Mullen. Uh, we'll let Tony rant and rave about that later on. Uh, Dan Mullen, because he has a connection to McGarity and because he's had some success in Mississippi State. Tom Herman. Maybe Charlie Strong doesn't work out at Texas. I, uh, I'm looking at uh, Seth Emerson's list of lists of possible people on here. But none of these names are like, oh, obviously, it's Michigan hiring Harbaugh. It's an obvious good pick. To me, that's one of the weirder parts about this movie. We've been saying for all these years, even those that have defended Rick, all right, well, who's better? Well, now we're going to find out in real time whether they can actually do that. And, man, it really is a risk. Yeah, I'm worried that, you know, what if after the story is written down the road, if we find out this was a knee-jerk reaction to the LSU talk of firing less miles and then the fact that maybe South Carolina is going to go after Kirby Smart, who maybe McGarity thought that we could get in a couple years from now. You know, I just hope that this isn't some knee-jerk reaction. I also find it interesting, the fact that, say what you will about Coach Richt in 2013, 14, and 15, the three years since our loss to Alabama in the SEC championship game, it kind of seems similar to me to when the Falcons fired Dan Reeves after Michael Vick 
his best player and the player that the offense was built around went down with the season ending injury. And he's held responsible for the fact that his star player had injuries. I mean, if you think back 13, Aaron Murray went down. Yeah, it was at the end of the season, but still it could have, it could have uh, helped us a little bit as the season winded down. And then last year with Gurley being out for the autograph stuff that Mark Rick really could not control. He had no hand in that. And then he comes in and then tears his ACL. And then this year with Nick Chubb. So, you know, you don't want to make excuses for head coach, but those are three pretty big excuses to where I think that things would have been a little bit differently if your star player doesn't go down. So to me, I think this has a little bit of a sense of a Dan Reeves, the similarities of when he got fired by the Falcons. Tony, help me out. Do they have to nail this? Are you okay with Kirby Smart? If it's Kirby Smart, are you okay? If it's Dan Mullen, why are you so angry? I, I think it depends on his staff. I'll be perfectly honest. I think the... Uh, it also depends on quickly. I mean, if if we mess around and we get Kirby Smart, is you know December. I mean, if we if if we did this, we pulled this today, and then we it comes out that we haven't even talked to Kirby Smart or, or whomever it is. I think we just we've really hamstrung whoever's next, and that's just the way I feel about it. Um, you know, I think we saw what we saw with LSU. I think LSU was ready to fire less miles if Jimbo Fisher was coming, um, and I think Jimbo Fisher laughed at him. And when he uh, when he left out, and they had no choice but to keep less miles around. If we simply said, you know what, now's the time to get rid of Mark Richt. We'll worry about the rest later. Man, that's that's just really a bad look. It's a bad look for recruits. It's a bad look for. I mean, again, I come back to the national perception of the media. In the media, it, you know, we're going to look like we're going to look slow, so bad now. You asked me the question about Kirby Smart. Am I okay with Kirby Smart? If we hire Kirby Smart, I hope he becomes the next Nick Saban. Matter of fact, I hope he makes Nick Saban look mediocre. Um, <laughs> the end, but, you know, can he do that? That's a, It's a harder question for me to answer because he's never been a head coach. He's never hired a staff, and he's a good recruiter, which is a good thing. So, you know, at, at this point, we'll find out. But this is, you know, this is where we're going to find out that uh, we're going to find out how people uh, – how much support people have in the program because if if it's true that big money boosters want to rick on they better be willing to step up and put big money on the table because if it comes out that we weren't able to get the guy we wanted for the reasons we wanted because we didn't pay him enough or we wouldn't pay his 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 supporting staff enough i'm going to be it's going to be really hard for me to reconcile everything i've seen and heard about how this came to be the new coach, whoever it is, is not going to be as much under the microscope as Greg McGarrity is going to be under the microscope because this could really uh, spell the end to him if this is handled poorly or turns out poorly. Yes. All right. Should be uh, – so this podcast turned out differently than I thought it was going to be, guys. I was totally going to do a victory lap. Yeah, we, we beat Tech for, the what, the 10th time in the past 15 years? Should have shut him out. No, no. Shut him out. But but you know maybe maybe that and and I'm just throw I'm throwing darts here. But you know we were all gathered around the TV watching, saying we're going to shut them out, and then a dumb penalty by your senior leader. Um, you know I didn't think they should have thrown the flag, but on the replay, okay, fine. And it's just another thing to where you're one botched squib kick away when Tech squibbed it down the road to putting them back in the game and experiencing one of the worst losses you could ever experience. So maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe it was the overtime with Georgia Southern. Maybe it was the horrible comeback that Tennessee mounted against us. I don't know. You know, it's just a, a piling on of things, but it's just not one of those teams this year that you can say is just a solidly coached team. So maybe that was it. I don't know. 
I will not end this podcast today on a downer note about Mark Rick or his team. Jake Gaines should not have been that foul. It was the dumbest penalty in the history of penalties. The ACC ref at his best. Rogers Redding owns the CV radio store. Bobby Gaston and Penn Wagers had a hand in it. And on top of that, Scott, the tech player, after sucking Lambert earlier, did a baseball, like a swung a baseball bat. That I was, was in the bathroom bull, when that happened. I didn't see that one. Bull, it was a bullcrap penalty. It was a bullcrap penalty. And that's not the word I used when it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, I get what you're saying, though. We, there have been so many things with this team over the course of the past few years. And I, th- I get what people say. I get what people are get at with this is that there have been some things about Mark Rick that drive people crazy. And, and maybe this is how I'll leave it. And, you know, clock management is one of them. And that was on full display yesterday. Um, coaching and position units has been part of it. We saw that on display a little bit yesterday. But the fact that we beat Georgia Tech, Mark Rick never lost to Georgia Tech at uh, Bobby, Dodd. Bobby Dodd, Mark Rick Field. You know, the fact of the matter is, is that Georgia's won more games since 2000 against Georgia Tech than Georgia Tech has has won against Georgia since 1969. There was a crazy stat yesterday. But either way, we've owned them as it should be. And uh, I can think of no better way to send him out, at least his last regular season game, with a win over Georgia Tech. Well, all right. We had been wondering how we were going to handle some of these podcasts uh, after Georgia's regular season schedule were over, whether we would have enough to talk about, whether it would be enough to just preview a bowl game. It's starting to look like our plates are going to be full. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, so gentlemen, uh, pour one out. For Mark Richt, whether you wanted him here or whether you wanted him gone, he's gone. So let's uh, yeah, we're let, we're all it's whatever. a brave new world, and and now's the time to go on it. Yep, here we go. It's a great, uh, it's an amazing world out there. Let's go, gentlemen. Uh, let's chat again. Uh, I believe this week we'll figure out the schedule for that. But mostly, wow. Mark Richt is no longer the coach of the of the Georgia Bulldogs. That is a uh, it's kind of a I, I haven't had the connection you guys have had for this program for as long as you have, and it still seems pretty stunning to even say out loud. Indeed, go dogs! Thanks for listening. Go ahead and subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already, and we will definitely keep you updated as the coaching search plays out for Georgia. And as for this year's team, Georgia will find out its bowl destination after the championship games next week. Will, Tony, and I will be back later this week with updates on the Georgia coaching search. We welcome your feedback, too. Should you want to send our show a tweet, you can do so at WSLS Podcast. So, until next time, go dogs.